But anyhow, we do appreciate people on the phone ministry. And we are going to be in Genesis 29, verses 1 through 30. It's our opening text. Yahweh, open the eyes of our heart. Give us a good understanding today. We are concentrating on your daughters, on righteous women, strong women in Scripture. And we're going to look at one of them today that hasn't got a lot of attention. We're going to change that today, Father Yahweh. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for all the times that I have gotten to speak to this congregation. If by some chance this is my last time, Yahweh, only you know the future. I really appreciate everything you've done for me. And I love the people here with all my heart. I pray all these things to you, Father Yahweh, through your Son, Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 29, verses 1 through 30 is the text that I've chosen for our opener today. We read beginning at verse 1. Jacob resumed his journey and went to the eastern country. He looked and saw a well in a field. Three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it because the sheep were watered from this well. A large stone covered the opening of the well. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the opening of the well and water the sheep. The stone was then placed back on the well's opening. Jacob asked the men at the well, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they answered. Do you know Laban, son of Nahor? Jacob asked them. They answered, We know him. Is he well? Jacob asked. Yes, they said. And here is his daughter, Rachel, coming with his sheep. Then Jacob said, Look, it is still broad daylight. It's not time for the animals to be gathered. Water the flock, then go out and let them graze. But they replied, We can't until all the flocks have been gathered and the stone is rolled from the well's opening. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. As soon as Jacob saw his uncle Laban's daughter Rachel with his sheep, he went up and rolled the stone from the opening and watered his uncle Laban's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept loudly. He told Rachel that he was her father's relative, Rebekah's son. She ran and told her father. When Laban heard the news about his sister's son Jacob, he ran to meet him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then he took him to his house, and Jacob told him all that had happened. Laban said to him, Yes, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him a month, Laban said to him, Just because you're my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older was named Leah, and the younger was named Rachel. Leah had delicate eyes, but Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he answered Laban, I'll work for you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban replied, Better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay with me. So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed, 
I would like to sleep with her. So Laban invited all the men of the place to a feast. That evening Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and he slept with her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah as her servant. When morning came, there was Leah. So he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? Why have you deceived me? Laban answered, It is not the custom in this place to give the younger daughter in marriage before the firstborn. Complete this week of wedding celebration, and we will also give you this younger one in return for working yet another seven years for me. And Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. And Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her servant. Jacob slept with Rachel also, and indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. May Yahweh bless this word to our hearts today. So, I've been doing a lot of reading this week, as well as thinking, and I've been reading about some of the great, strong women in Hebrew Scripture you will find that in this series of sermons, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the Older Testament. Some people think that I like the Older Testament better. I'll leave that for you to decide. I won't tell you which one I like better. I've spent a lot of time in Hebrew Scripture, and I've been thinking about the good wife that Yahweh blessed me with many years ago. She is the wife of my youth. I've been married to her now almost 23 years. And my wife is what has held our household up through difficult times. My wife is the person that has held me up in my difficult times. Where would I be without the wife that Yahweh blessed me with? Well, I would not be here. I can tell you that. And I am not certain that I would even be physically alive today if it wasn't for my wife. I think that a lot of the good men of Yahweh in Scripture were helped by their wives. Remember, that's what Yahweh created her for. He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Genesis 2 verse 18. The word helper there is the word azer, and it carries the meaning of to help fill up where the man is lacking. And a woman often does this. She does all this helping for her husband without any fanfare. She toils and labors and works with her hands, a lot of times with no praise. It's a shame that we don't praise Yahweh's women more. Proverbs 31 teaches us that the virtuous woman's husband is supposed to praise her. And not only praise her, but praise her in public. That's Proverbs 31. You know, if you look for flaws in people, you will find them. You know why? Because we all have flaws. We're flawed people. We're sinners, but by the grace and the mercy of Yahweh. Us husbands will find flaws in our wives if that's all we look for. But if we'll stop searching so hard for the negative and begin to focus on the positive, we will see a wealth of positive things in our wife. And maybe, just maybe, if we begin to praise her for the good things, it would encourage her to do more good things. 
easy to find flaws, but let's focus on the positive and give at least double the amount of praise and encouragement as we do constructive criticism. So, we begin today with Genesis 29 where Rachel was chosen over Leah. Now that by itself is just something that happens in life. Jacob had the right to choose whom he wanted to marry. The girls had the right to choose if they wanted to marry him. Now here's what was not right about the situation. Leah was used in a trick by Laban, her father. We have to keep in mind that just because we see something happen in Genesis or in the Bible doesn't mean that everything we see happen was righteous. Well, Leah was used in this trick. And Leah was given over to Jacob at the feast. And she slept with him on the wedding night. But the entire time, Jacob thought that it was Rachel. I was reading an old Jewish commentary today where the Midrash said that this guy believed or this person or persons believed that one of the reasons that Jacob was tricked was because he was involved in a trick himself where he stood in front of his elderly father who was pretty much blind, Isaac, and said, I am Esau. And Isaac said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands, the arms, are the hands of Esau because they had put some animal hair there on the arms. And so this Midrash said they believe this is why Jacob was tricked. He, he was being gotten back. Uh, whether or not that is true, it's interesting. We might wonder, though, how did Jacob confuse the two girls, Rachel and Leah? And a few points have been given in both Jewish and Christian history. Uh, for example, Josephus suspects that Jacob had a lot to drink at the feast. It was a wedding feast, and the Hebrew word there for feast literally means, when you look it up, it literally means a drinking party. So his heavy drinking may have caused his judgment to be skewed. And after all, Laban was going to trick him. And Laban might, sit, might have said, here, have another one. Here, have another one. Because he knew what he was going to do. Josephus is the first to pose that possibility. Another thing is that she was likely veiled. Not just over the head, but also over the face, as was the custom. Plus, as the feast drew on, nightfall came. And they did not have electric lighting as we do today, so he probably didn't get to see her clearly before they consummated the marriage. Lastly, and this is a Hebrew interpretation from a 2nd century Midrash, it is likely that Rachel and Leah were twins. Leah was the older of the twins, just as Esau was the older between he and Jacob. Remember when Esau and Jacob were born? Esau was the older. Jacob, uh, whose name sometimes is said to mean heel catcher or trickster, he was holding the foot of Esau and he, as they came out of the womb. But the prophecy said that the elder would serve the younger. The elder would be Esau and the younger would be Jacob. And so it's believed that their cousins, Rachel and Leah, were twins as well. And that is probably the primary reason why Jacob was tricked as easy as he was. Now, even if they were identical twins, Genesis tells us that Leah had delicate eyes, verse 17. Now, that's the HCSB rendering, delicate eyes. One Aramaic Targum says that Leah's eyes were actually beautiful in contrast to Rachel being beautiful in her entire appearance. 
That's one old understanding that the only thing that was beautiful to Jacob in Leah's appearance was her, her eyes. Another Targum, though, Aramaic Targum, says that Leah's eyes were wore out and they were weak because she had cried so much because she thought that she was going to be asked to marry Esau since they were the two oldest and Jacob and Rachel were the younger of the twins she thought she was going to be given to Esau and she did not like Esau she was more fond of Jacob another ancient writing says that both of the girls were beautiful in their form but Leah's eyes were not beautiful now whatever the case was there was something in Rachel that outshined Leah at least in Jacob's view. Oftentimes beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, right? So Jacob found Rachel more beautiful than Leah, and the text mentions something about her eyes, and that's debatable on what that means. But their being twins helps us to see how that he could have mistook her for Rachel that night. In the end, the fact remains that Leah was used in a trick, and when daylight came, Jacob realized that Leah had been given to him instead of Rachel and he was upset with Laban and rightfully so because he had just got through working for Laban for seven years. I know it only seemed to him like a few days the text says because of the great love he had for Rachel but still seven years is a long time to work for a man and then he tricks you or cheats you on what he has promised and the, the covenant that has been made. Now Jacob committed to the marriage to Leah, but she was not loved by him as his other wife was Rachel. Leah felt hated when compared to the way that Jacob treated Rachel. Genesis 29 verse 30 is the last verse that we read in our opening text, and it says that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Then in verse 31, as we continue on in our text, it says that when Yahweh saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Here we see the favor of Yahweh upon those who are outcasts. People that we deem to be lower, Yahweh lifts higher. One of the greatest things of value in the eyes of a married Hebrew woman was to have a baby. Now, it's still that way today with a lot of women, although it's become less prestigious in our day and our culture. But for the Hebrews, for the most part, babies were priceless. It wasn't just because Yahweh just created women to have babies and that was it. It was that human life was formed inside of women. And Hebrew women hoped to give birth to the promised seed of Genesis 3.15 as well. That's another reason they would want to have babies. But Yahweh designed a woman's body to conceive with the aid of her husband through consummation of the marriage. And then Yahweh designed a woman to grow a baby inside of her from conception to birth. Think about that. A woman has the ability to grow another human being inside of her body. That is something that a man cannot do. We are not built for that. When a woman grows a baby human inside of her, she is attached to that baby in a way that only she can be attached. 
When a baby is born, the baby nurses on the mother's breast. The mother has a way of holding the baby and nurturing and caring for the baby. The mother has a built-in instinct to wake up when the baby needs her. Or as my wife says, the mama has the ability to sleep with one eye and one ear open and the other eye and the other ear closed. Well, Yahweh let this happen for Leah. And verse 31 says it was because Yahweh saw that Leah was unloved. Rachel was barren, not because Yahweh didn't love her too. But see, Rachel was already feeling love from Jacob. Jacob wasn't just married to Rachel. He loved Rachel. He cared for Rachel. She felt that love. He showed her that love. She was getting attention. She was receiving praise. But Leah was left in the shadows. Yet Leah served Yahweh and submitted to her husband. And Yahweh blessed her with the ability to conceive. And she gave Jacob his firstborn son named Reuben. Genesis 29 verses 32 through 35 speaks to this. Let's go through these verses. Genesis 29 verse 32. Leah conceived gave birth to a son and named him Reuben. The name Reuben means to see, to look. For she said, Because Yahweh has seen my affliction, surely my husband will love me now. She was so proud of this baby. And she hoped that in getting pregnant and carrying that baby and giving Jacob his firstborn son, she hoped that Jacob's desire and love for her would be as strong as it was towards Rachel. But in verse 33 we read she conceived again and gave birth to a son. And she said Yahweh heard that I am unloved and He has given me this son also so she named him Simeon. And the name Simeon means hearing. To hear. Evidently after she gave birth to Reuben Leah still remained unloved or at least loved less than Rachel. Reuben's birth did not pull her out of the shadows. She was still an outcast. So when she conceived again, she saw it as Yahweh giving her another blessing, another chance to gain the love of Jacob. Verse 34, She conceived again, gave birth to a son, and said, At last my husband will become attached or joined to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi or Levi. Leah was still vying for Jacob's love. She still felt outcast. She still felt second rate because after this third son, here we see that she's still hoping for her and Jacob to be attached or joined in their love. The name Levi means to attach. That's why she gave him that name. So the first three sons that she bore to Jacob, she gave them names in hopes that Jacob would love her and that she would get attention and that she would be pulled out of the shadows and be able not just to be married, but to be loved. In verse 35, something changes. I think that Leah still felt downtrodden. But in verse 35 it says, And she conceived again, fourth time, gave birth to a son and said, This time I will praise Yahweh. Therefore she named him Judah, or Yehuda which means to praise Yahweh. Then Leah stopped having children. After her fourth child, her fourth son, 
Leah must have resolved in herself that this is just how it's going to be. I'm going to play second fiddle. I'm going to be second class. So instead of giving her fourth son a name that had to do with her hopes of Jacob loving her and cleaving to her, she turned to Yahweh. She turned to Yahweh. Leah remained where she was. She remained a wife of Jacob. She remained an unloved wife of Jacob. She placed her confidence in Yahweh at this point. And she decided that she was going to praise Yahweh in spite of her circumstance. That's a strong woman. Now she'd given birth to four boys up to this point. When a woman gets pregnant and carries a baby for 40 weeks and then gives birth to that baby, it's not like it's just an easy thing to do. Her body gets tired and weak and stretched and out of shape. A lot of times women go through postpartum depression after having that happen to her. She's stressed. She has highs. She has lows. And then she goes through major surgery as the baby is born. And then everything inside of her womb that was pushed away to make room for the baby has to slowly move back into place. Leah went through this four times. Four times in hopes that it would make Jacob love her. Now my husband will love me. Now my husband will be attached to me. Now my husband will see me. Now my husband will hear me. I guess this is just how it's going to be, so I'm going to praise Yahweh. Yet her relationship with Jacob remained the same. But Leah was a strong woman of Yahweh. She's not talked about much. I've never heard a sermon about Leah, and that's why I chose to begin my single sermons about individual women with Leah because she's been overlooked not just by Jacob but by Jewish and Christian history. But we're not going to overlook her today. She was a strong woman of Yahweh because after she had that fourth baby, she said, I'm naming him Yehuda because this time I'm going to praise Yahweh for what He has done for me. Leah was strong because she praised Yahweh in spite of being unloved playing that second fiddle, going through pregnancy, labor, giving birth four times, and still remaining unnoticed. As I think about Leah, and then I think about women today, women who have been in similar situations as Leah, feeling unloved, unappreciated, overlooked, outcast, or just a baby-making machine. I'm sorry that this happens, sisters. It is not right for a husband to overlook his wife. And it's not right for a culture or a society to view women in this way. But following the example that Leah gives, you can say, I proclaim Judah because I will praise Yahweh. I will be strong. I will be faithful. I will love. I will do what Yahweh has called me to do no matter what my circumstance. Now Genesis 30 tells us that in the future the Almighty again listened to Leah's cries. And she gave birth to a fifth son. And she named him Issachar. There's a reason for that. I'm not going to get into it. You can go back and read Genesis 30 and you'll see it. And then she gave birth to a sixth son. And she named that sixth son Zebulun. 
After Zebulun, she was still hoping for Jacob's love. She still hadn't got it. Zebulun means habitation or dwelling. And after birthing Zebulun, Leah said in Genesis 30 verse 20, This time my husband will dwell with me. He will habitate with me. She also gave birth after this to a daughter. She was the only woman in the family of Jacob that gave birth to a female. And the daughter's name is Dina. And Dina's name means justice or judgment. Now there is an Aramaic Targum that comments on this. I'm not exactly sure what the implications are for this daughter's name, but I have to believe that she named her justice for a reason. Because that's the theme through all of the naming of Leah's children. Maybe she was proclaiming, I need justice. I'm tired of being left out. And maybe she felt like her giving birth to a daughter was her justice. Neither Rachel or the handmaidens, Bilhah and Zilpah, ever gave birth to daughters. Last year, in 2019, I picked up this book. This book is called The Book of Jubilees. Jubilees was written in the late B.C. era or early A.D. era. And it was written by a Hebrew. It's a neat book, and I do not believe that it's Holy Scripture. I don't believe that it's inspired by Yahweh. But although I don't believe that it's Holy Scripture, it gives us, as does other historical writings, a look into the thoughts and the minds of some believers that lived long ago. Now, I want to caution you that when you read a book like this, or a book like Maccabees, or the writings of Philo, Josephus, Book of Enoch, I could go on. When I read a book like this, and when you read a book like this, my caution is, is that you take in the meat and you spit out the bones. And what I'm saying is that I am willing to admit that the book of Jubilees contains some truth, but it is not inspired or without error. It wouldn't be any different than you reading a book by a man or woman that you extol today, a book about Scripture. And as you read that book, you're going to see the thoughts of that man or that woman. And in some ways, you're going to see things that open or enlighten your understanding of Scripture. And other things, you're going to say, I don't really think Brother Matthew hit the nail on the head in that paragraph. Now, that's how I read the book of Jubilees, except it's a much older writing than the writings of Matthew Jansen. So if the book of Jubilees or Philo or Josephus or Maccabees or Enoch, if they err from the law and the prophets, then I go with the law and the prophets. Now, I include Yeshua of Nazareth in the law and the prophets. I include Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Yeshua, as part of the prophets because he's the prophet like Moses. He's the greatest prophet to ever live. I believe he's Yahweh's only begotten son. But if a book like this, extra-biblical book, adds clarity and insight to Holy Scripture without contradicting Scripture, then I have no problem believing it to be factual or true in those cases. So as I was reading the book of Jubilees last year, I read it from start to finish. It took me a couple of days, a couple of readings. There was one thing, there was a lot of things that stood out to me. Some things I marked an X by, some things I marked a check by. But there was one thing that stood out to me and it brought a little tear or at least a little weeping to my eyes. And that was, it was at the end of chapter 36 because it gave me some more information about Leah. Information that I had wondered about for many years. 
I'm going to read you verses 22 through 25 of Jubilees chapter 36 here. And I'm going to comment briefly upon them as I close out this sermon today. I want you to listen to this. Jubilees 36 verse 22. And Leah, his wife, died in the fourth year of the second week of the 45th Jubilee. And he buried her in the double cave near to Rebekah, his mother, to the left of the grave of Sarah, the mother of his father. And all of her sons and his sons came to weep over Leah, his wife, with him, and that they might comfort each other on her account. For he, that's speaking of Jacob, mourned over her. Verse 24. For he loved her exceedingly after Rachel her sister died. For Leah was perfect and righteous in all her ways and honored Jacob. And in all the days which she lived, she was gentle and upright and peaceful and honorable. And he remembered all her deeds which she had done in her life and mourned her exceedingly for he loved her very much with all his heart and with all his soul. It took the death of Rachel for Jacob to see how important Leah was. Now Jubilees doesn't contradict Scripture. It tells you at the beginning that Leah was unloved and Rachel was loved. But after Rachel died, and by the way, Rachel died when she was giving birth to her second child, and she wanted to name that son Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But as she was dying in her last breath, Jacob said, No, his name shall not be Benoni. His name shall be Benjamin. Benjamin. I named my son after this text. He said, Because it means son of my right hand. And then Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. She had gave birth to Joseph before that and then Benjamin. After Rachel died, Jacob, something must have clicked because he began to look upon Leah with great favor. And Jubilee says that Leah was a righteous woman in her deeds. So you see here why this text in the book of Jubilees encouraged me. I felt that it shed light on Leah and Jacob's relationship in the latter portion of their marriage. I'm not for sure of the time length between Rachel's death and Leah's death, but the best I can tell, it was a pretty good many years. And I believe that the book of Jubilees tells us the truth here because I believe all the faithfulness and the strength that Leah had while she was unloved was finally rewarded by Yahweh. I believe Yahweh looked at her and said, Rachel is now gone, and that's not a good thing, but Jacob is going to love you. You're going to get what you've longed for. You birthed seven babies. Jacob's heart was turned towards Leah because Leah remained steadfast. She finally felt the love that she had longed for. Leah was an overlooked woman. She is not talked about much today. She is a strong woman in Scripture. As Proverbs 31.17 says. And today, we honor her. And we praise her for her faithfulness to Almighty Yahweh. Let her never be overlooked again.
I'll continue this next time I teach. May Yahweh bless you.